It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, we are going to cover the Tyler Boyd quotes on the Dan Horde Bengals Booth podcast. He is very excited about proving the doubters wrong. And I feel like anytime you have a player who is an emerging leader on this team, he's got to be. You know, he's a future best receiver on the team unless T. Higgins takes that title. It's worth noting the things that he's saying, and he talked about working with Joe Burrow, so we'll cover all of that in segment one of the show. Segment two, we're going to catch up on some news that we have been a little bit late in reporting, James, or or discussing. We're not reporting any news, actually, on this podcast, generally speaking. But Boomer Esiason talked about the Bengals' need for new uniforms, and I know he's preaching to the choir, so we'll do some preaching to the choir as well on this topic, talk about some of the changes we're looking for. Really, there's only one. For me, James, how many significant changes are there that you're looking for in the uniforms? Just just say a number. I can't say a number. I want to completely change them. Clean slate. There you go. We have some different takes, and I wouldn't be opposed to a complete revamp either, but if they're going to go with a minimalist approach, there's one big change that I think would go a long way. In addition to that, we're going to talk about the proposal that the NFL owners are going to be voting on this week regarding incentivizing hiring people of color as the resolution states it so we'll talk a little bit about that and what some people have had to say about that we won't get too far into our own opinions but it's worth discussing at the very least finally we'll wrap up starting with tyler boyd finishing with aj green in this receiver core looking at what an extension might mean talking about whether it makes sense we've talked about it before but this is kind of an evergreen topic until it's happened or hasn't happened, I guess. They, they are less than two months away from that July 15th deadline. So we'll wrap up the show with AJ Green and some receiver talk. But let's get started with Tyler Boyd's comments on the Bengals Booth podcast with Dan Hort. James, let's start with the chip on Tyler Boyd's shoulder. This has been discussed a lot in recent days in the Bengals media circles. He's ready to prove the doubters wrong. He also seems to have some awareness that the team does still have some work to do. What stood out to you about his comments? Exactly that. I mean, Tyler, I haven't interviewed him in probably 18 months. It's been a while, right? But he's always been a guy that has been extremely confident in his abilities. I remember when he had plenty of doubters entering year three before his first 1,000-yard season. He was extremely confident that training camp that he was going to be able to perform. And he's gone out there and done that and established himself as one of the best slot receivers in the league. 
But he knows even after an offseason full of changes, a revamped defense, a, a completely uh, different quarterback and things like that, he, he said, look, we still have doubters. And everybody's still saying that we're going to be the weakest team and that he loves proving people wrong. And I, I think that that's an identity that this team has to take on. Joe Burrow's been there. He's done that. Tyler Boyd's another one of those guys. A.J. Green, there's doubts with him now. There are doubts throughout this roster uh, when you talk about outside the building, and it's up to the Bengals to use it as a, a rallying point and a way to come together and help them grow as a team. It kind of fits the narrative that we have been talking about on the Locked On Bengals podcast as well, insofar as there's this really wide range of outcomes for this team. And that is what the doubters, even the people that support the team, who want to believe this team can be good, have to acknowledge that last year they weren't very good. You could get similar performances from some of those same players that are still on the team. Yeah, they've overhauled the defense entirely, but a lot of this offensive line consists of the same players. And there's a lot of variance there as to whether they'll take a step or not. A.J. Green and John Ross, a lot of variance in the projections when you think about will they be able to stay healthy. Makes them very hard to project, but if they all embrace this attitude of, we need to prove people wrong, I think that's a mental space that they need to be in in order to achieve the higher end of that variance from a psychological perspective. And I wonder what a sports psychologist would have to say about that. And the other thing with Boyd that I, I think is noteworthy when it comes to this topic is the fact that in the past, he's gotten himself in trouble saying how they're a, an all-star stack team, right? And, and how they, they have all the weapons and he, he sees the potential that AJ and Ross and Mixon and all of these these weapons have on offense, well, he kind of ba didn't backtrack because he believes in these guys, but this is the exact quote on, on the Bengals Booth podcast. I don't feel like anybody feels threatened at this moment. We have to go out there and prove ourselves. On paper, we still have an all-star stack team. And I, I think you're right. That That is a good mindset to have for this team. They have to prove everything. They're given nothing. No one expects anything from them, and they certainly want to exceed expectations. This also echoes what we've been hearing from Zach Taylor, and this is not the first time I've said this. The players and the coaches and the front office and the coaches, so from the top down, you're getting consistent messaging from the Cincinnati Bengals. Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin have both said, we feel good about our team on paper, but that means nothing. We still have to do the work. We have to prove that we are as good as we think we are on paper and I think that's a really healthy attitude to have. There's nothing quantifiable to that. The other interesting thing that came up during Boyd's visit with Dan Horde on the podcast is that he was thinking about going to Cincinnati over the weekend, James, and getting some routes in with Joe Burrow while he was in town to pick some stuff up. That's pretty cool. It is. And it's confirmation that Joe Burrow has been in contact now with A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and he also reached out to Sam Hubbard, according to Jesse Bates, about getting seven-on-seven -seven drills together. So he's talking to defensive players as well. So I think that that is a, uh, a huge point that needs to be hammered home because we've talked about, and really everyone has talked about Joe Burrow's leadership, but that is happening. And even though there's a pandemic, even though there's no rookie mini camps and he can't meet any of these guys in person, he's communicating with them. And, and I think that's huge when you're talking about the number one overall pick and a guy who's expected to be a leader right away in Joe Burrow. Speaking of Sam Hubbard, really quick, just to close this out, Nick Eason recently told Marissa Contepelli that 
He is looking for Sam Hubbard to have one of his best years, a Pro Bowl year this year. He calls Hubbard a leader, says he works hard, smart football player. Big praise for Sam Hubbard, who is going to potentially be linked pretty closely to Joe Burrow for the next few years, as they were very good friends at Ohio State and now reunite in Cincinnati. Pro Bowl? I don't know, Jake. Look, I, I, I really like Sam Hubbard. And when you look back at that 2018 draft, he's certainly been the most productive player to come out of it, especially when you see what has happened with Billy Price and Malik Jefferson and, and those guys. But t- to me, I, I look at what he's done and he's been productive. But you just wonder how much more can he improve? He's entering his age 25 season. It's 14 and a half sacks over the past couple of years. All great stuff. He looks promising, but is is that going to continue? Is he going to continue to grow? And if so, then yeah, Pro Bowl. I just think that this might be what he is, which is a damn good football player and, and one of the Bengals' better draft picks on the defensive line in recent seasons. You can't really dispute the draft value, right? Third round pick being a very solid contributor. He's going to be a long-term starter. I, I do worry that he might end up a little bit overpaid for his production because of the way the coaches talk about him, because of the way uh, Bengals fans seem to hold him in high regard. But there are a few numbers that are pretty interesting for Sam Hubbard. As you mentioned, he had 15 and a half sacks or 14 and a half sacks or 15, if you count uh, PFF's way where they don't do half sacks. And that actually leads... All players who were drafted in his draft class in 2018 who rush on the edge. So that's pretty impressive. And, and a lot of that's because Bradley Chubb didn't play very much in 2019. Bradley Chubb was an absolute revelation for the Denver Broncos in 2018. But he was a first-round pick. So when you're getting this kind of production out of Sam Hubbard, fantastic pick. But Pro Bowl is probably a little lofty for a guy who's been an above-average player for sure. But not really touching on that elite level but maybe james if sam hubbard ate more built bars he could even be an all pro let's talk about that built bar because we can get our listeners ten dollars off on builtbar.com right now using promo code locked on james we're recording early again on this monday have you had your built bar yet today i haven't had one yet today but i'm certainly going to and jake i still have pro bowl aspirations too I mean, I'm only 28 years old, so that there's a, a chance for me uh, to, to potentially be a pro bowler at some point. But the key to that is working out and built bars. And, and you could certainly get your uh, built bar fix here on Locked On Bengals uh, with promo code Locked On. Save the 10 bucks off. Thank us later and uh, fit those macros during quarantine because uh, summer's right around the corner. And you need that beach body to be looking good if you're going on vacation. Real quick, uh, you need to be a football player to make the Pro Bowl. Just for anybody listening who thinks Built Bars will make you a Pro Bowler, first you need to be in the NFL. So baby steps. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast and go to a a really familiar topic, a topic that I I think has been an off-season subject for the past couple of years, Jake, and that's the uniforms. 
And, and I think it's pretty telling that one, most of the fan base would embrace new uniforms, want new uniforms. They mentioned the logo as well, which we could talk about. But Bengals legend Boomer Esiason also says the Bengals need new uniforms on his radio show on CBS Sports Radio last week. He said that their current uniforms are horrific, which I don't know if I would go that far, but I'm certainly ready for a change and ready for the Bengals to get some new threats. Yeah, and I'll go first because all I want is one change that would go so far for me because I really appreciate the the simplicity of some of the new uniforms we've seen this year. Not the Browns. Those uniforms look the same. Like the Browns uniforms do need a complete overhaul because they keep doing the same thing and it keeps looking stupid. But the Bengals just need to get rid of that side panel because when you break up that solid color in their black or orange jerseys with that with that white side panel, I just think it looks bad their white jerseys I, I have no problem with because the side panel is also white and you can also see that in the color rush there's no side panel and it looks really good so for me the the biggest step they could take get rid of that white side panel goes a long way to fixing a lot of the problems i have with with the way those uniforms look right now i get it and i'm with you if you were going to adjust it if you were going to make a minor tweak there's no need for a minor tweak here let let's overhaul it completely uh i would simplify the uniform and, and I, I will say that that's something that boomer esiason said as well it, you can go in this kind of gels with what you said you could go all orange tops with black lettering or you know it doesn't have to be so complex or so complicated where there's so much going on and that's what it is i mean you have a mix of orange black white and it's just very rarely have i uh, met anyone that loved the Bengals uniforms. Some are okay with them. I don't think anyone loves them. And I think that you could do something pretty unique and pretty cool, and yet at the same time, simple when it comes to, to the Bengals new uniforms. And by the way, I would keep the color rushes. I think you can do that. Maybe make a tweak or two, keep those, and just overhaul the rest of the uniforms. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like the color rush uniforms nail that simplicity, but there's only two prominent colors. There's a little bit of orange. The Bengals B on the front is still orange, and the Nike swoosh on the side is still orange. But the rest of those just straight black and white. If they go for, they, they, like you look back at the the you know the '80s uniforms or the '90s uniforms, and the color highlights, you know, you have a fully white jersey with orange and black stripes on the shoulders. And that's, that's it. And the current jersey, you have that big and the white body. You have the orange shoulders and then the black sleeves. And it just, I mean, it looks better on the players and it looks for, for fans on when, when you wear a jersey to the stadium. But yeah. you just 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 knock down the, the number of colors. Or if you want to use all the colors, use them as highlights like you used to. Bring back the Leaping Tiger. That's a big one for me. That's, that's one of my favorite uh logos in the history i don't even know if it was an official yeah it must have been anyway bring bring back the leaping tiger simplify things i think we're on the same page with the simplification idea i'm with you on the leaping tiger and it, it was an official logo i i think that w when you when you're doing this you can pay homage to the past without going back to the past and i i've seen that too just go back to the 80s or go back to the 90s i don't want that i don't want to go back to the 90s all right the 90s were awful it was the worst the, the 90s were not fun, and I get it. You might like the uniforms. They still weren't fun. So you could take the good pieces or some of the good pieces from those jerseys in the 80s and 90s, bring them to the 2020s, and, and still have a unique look 
for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I, I think it's possible. I hope that they filed and in a, uh, let the NFL know that they want to do this for next season. I have no idea if they have, um, which is common, but usually you have to do it by March 1 of the, the year prior to when you want to switch. So they would have ha- already had to notify the league that, hey, just so you know, we plan on making some changes to the uniform. So hopefully they've done that. That would uh, that would go a long way, I think. I, I do want to reiterate one point, and, and that is really just that these uniforms look a lot better on players with pads on than they do on fans because all that <laughs> extra black on the sleeves gets rolled up in, into their shoulder pad area. So you don't see, like that's the worst part of it to me on the white uniforms. Then on the black uniforms, the white stripe, again with pads, is a lot smaller than it appears on fans. So I, I will give credit that I, I do think these uniforms get a bad rap because if you look at it like in the pro shop or you look at it on a fan, it doesn't look good, but you look at it on the players and, and, and I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of Joe Mixon right now in all the different Bengals jerseys. None of them really look bad to be fair. So do it for the fans, Katie, Mike, Paul, all you guys do it for the fans. Let's talk about the other prominent news topic today, James. And that is, that the NFL owners this week are set to vote on a new proposal to improve minority hiring in the NFL. This came from Jim Trotter last week. NFL owners are voting this week on a resolution that would improve a team's draft position if it hires a person of color as a head coach or a general manager. Currently, there are only two black GMs and four head coaches of color, matching a 17-year low. Some details here. If a team hired a minority head coach, the team would move up six spots in the draft preceding the coach's second season in the third round. Ten spots in the same scenario if the GM is a person of color. And if both the GM and the coach head coach are people of color, then you go up 16 spots. Another bonus, the team's fourth round pick would climb five spots preceding the coach or GM's third year if he's still with the team. And this is pointed out as significant because two recent hires, Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph, were fired after one and two seasons with their respective teams. The Rooney rule, James, clearly isn't doing its intended job, but it's not clear to me that this is necessarily the right way to solve it either. And Lewis Riddick seems to agree. He does agree. And I'm reading a a quote that Ed Warder tweeted out from Lewis Riddick, who's been pretty outspoken about this. I know he's went on, I believe it was the Will Kane show to discuss this issue. And the quote says, quote, that team would be undermining its own hire by in- injecting doubt in the minds of the people who work in the building. Is that how you really want a GM to start off his career? And I think that's an extremely intelligent point and a point I wouldn't be able to, to, to mention or come up with because one, I haven't been a GM. I haven't been in the front office. And, and here's the other thing, but the NFL does sometimes try to fix it and make their problem worse. And and this is something the NFL did with the pass interference rule, right? Fix a problem and make it worse. And I think they did that with the pass interference rule, the replay rule, and it went bad for a year, right? So with this, can do you really think the solution is, hey, insert whatever NFL team you want, you get to move up six slots or potentially 16 slots in the middle rounds on day two of the NFL draft. Is that really going to make the difference? I don't think so. I think we all acknowledge it's a problem, and I think it needs to be solved. I just I don't think that this is the way 
to do it. Because if you really feel like you're getting the the right head coach, regardless of the color of his skin, then is a, a moving up 16 slots in the draft from round three to round two going to change your mind or going to push you one way or the other? I don't think so. So I don't think it should. I'll tell you that. So I, I just I don't think that this is the way to solve the issue that the NFL clearly has. Very, very complicated issue. One that the NFL has clearly been struggling with for quite some time. And you hope they get it right at some point or that they don't need to get it right. Instead of asking this to be ingrained in a rule, it would be great if we could just see the best candidates be hired for jobs without it needing to be incentivized by the NFL. We'll see how this plays out. We'll get a vote this week and we will update you on the fallout coming up next we're going to talk a little bit about that aj green contract extension we are less than two months away from the july 15th deadline is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy either way join keith sanchez and damian parson for mock draft monday on the locked on nfl draft podcast They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To extend AJ or to not extend AJ? That's the question that the Bengals have until July 15th to answer. And uh, we're going to discuss it right here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Jake, I I think it's one uh, top two or three topics for the remainder of the offseason. When you look at uh, the Bengals and what they've done, they obviously franchise tagged A.J. Green earlier this offseason. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. We know all of his accolades and how important he's been to this franchise. At the same time, he's missed 29 out of his last 64 potential games, including all of last season, to extend him, to not extend him. It's a, it's a big question at Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, and here's the the issue. From a franchise team building roster construction perspective, paying $18 million, $19 million a year to a receiver on the wrong side of 30 who's been injured, like you said, for 29 out of the last 64 games is a bad decision. In a vacuum, that is a bad decision for a team to make. However, you look at the history of A.J. Green when he plays, the Bengals win, as Matt Minnick pointed out, 58% of their games. When he doesn't play, they win 25% of their games. What wide receiver in football has been as valuable as A.J. Green has been to the Cincinnati Bengals? The other thing here, and I've talked about this a lot for people that have listened. If you listen every day, I apologize for repeating myself. The Bengals see all of these great players that come through the organization finish their careers elsewhere. And, and this just eats at my soul as a sports fan. You see Willie Anderson finish his career with one year in Baltimore and makes a playoff run. Andrew Whitworth goes to the Super Bowl with the Rams. Mohamed Sanu goes on, has some playoff. I mean, these aren't even great guys anymore, right? Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Jones go on, have good careers elsewhere. Mohamed Sanu just got traded for a second round pick last year. That's pretty crazy. Justin Smith, you go back further in Bengals history. Chad Johnson, TJ Hushmanzada, all these guys that are Bengals icons, not finishing their careers in Cincinnati. Kevin Zeitler, first-round pick. Who's the last first-round pick that finished his career 
in Cincinnati after a second contract? I, I don't know. I can't think of it off the top of my head. And I actually think it should be A.J. Green. I, I do. And not just for that. Not just to say this is our guy and we need him to be our guy and that's it. We're going to stick by him. That's not it. I think he can still help them. And it's really easy to forget about how great he was. Uh, or or it, it is. It, it's as simple as he was that great, but he isn't anymore. But I think A.J. Green still has all of the the physical tools and attributes to be a high-level NFL wide receiver. And by high-level, I mean elite, top 10 wide receiver in the league. I, I do. And here's the other thing. When you look at an A.J. Green and you, you, you see the way he carries himself, his mentality, his mindset, he's known for years that he wants to play into his late 30s. He knows he's going to have to evolve his game. Everyone's spent the past five weeks watching the last dance with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan that came back after baseball was much different than the Michael Jordan before baseball. Less athletic, but he evolved. He was still dominant. I think AJ's that smart of a player where he can still be dominant just in a different way as he moves into this next uh, saga of his career. So, yeah, is health a question mark? Absolutely. But I, I think any... Any one of the 32 franchises, if they signed A.J. Green, they'd be excited because they think he'd be able to help them win. And I think when you pair him with a Joe Burrow, you, you might be able to see a, another two to three years of, of greatness from number 18. I just went back like many years, by the way, in the Bengals draft history to, to see if I could find the last guy that went wire to wire to Bengals uniform. And I can't like on a second <laughs> contract, third contract. I can't. Jonathan Joseph obviously went somewhere else. Leon Hall went somewhere else i thought i found it when i finally got back to 2000 and peter work i didn't remember that he played a year in seattle at the end of his career and he didn't even have that long of a career he was only in the league from 2000 to 2005 and and so justin smith obviously goes to the 49ers did levi jones play elsewhere he played a year in washington so you go back and and you can't find literally anybody who played their entire career as a Bengal. And maybe this is not a Bengals problem. Maybe this is just something that happens in the NFL. Peyton Manning finished his career in Denver, obviously. Tom Brady now finishing his career in Tampa Bay. And these are as big of franchise players as you can get. The next best shot for the Bengals, if it's not A.J. Green, is going to be Geno Atkins or Carlos Dunlap. And who knows with them? I mean, there were people last year that thought that the Bengals should trade Geno Atkins and, and Carlos Dunlap at the deadline. Obviously, and, I wasn't one of them, but that, that debate was had. And they might not be wrong, right? That might be the right thing for the Bengals organization to do. And this is definitely a sentimental argument that you're getting from me is, let's just get one of these guys, Geno, a, a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame at this point after being named to the All-Decade team. Let's just get one of these guys to play their whole career in Bengal stripes. And I think that will happen. I, I do. If, if it's not A.J. Green, I think Geno Atkins, I, I think that's kind of their plan. But here's the hard part is you, you never know when a player feels like he's done. And so will I be mad at the Bengals if 35-year-old Geno Atkins is trying to run it back one more time and they're like, nah, dude, we're not paying you X amount. Yeah, I, it, it, so, so that's the, the other argument. Yeah. But I don't think A.J. Green's there yet. He'll be 32 in July. He's dealt with injury issues. Fine. I also think, and this isn't really a take, I think he could have came back and played last year. He didn't partially because he was in a contract year and because the team was awful. Like he, I, I, Dave Lapham has raved about how A.J. Green worked out uh, before their game in December against the Browns 
uh, during a pregame workout. Like I think he was good enough to go, maybe not 100%, but I I do think he could still be dominant. And yeah, health is going to be a huge question mark regardless if it's just this year or if it's a a contract extension. Uh, I, I do think that the other part of this extension, Jake, that's interesting, so many people say wait to extend him. Make him prove it this year. And then maybe sign him next offseason or before he hits free agency. And I understand that. But here's the problem is then he's going into his age 33 season. And so what are you talking about? Three years and now you're signing him through 35? That That's the, the balance. Because if you just rip up the franchise tag and sign him for three years, age 32, 33, 34, elite money, I could deal with that. If it's 33, 34, 35, maybe I'm crazy, but I think that that's a, that's a big difference. The hope has just got to be that he can extend his career the way Larry Fitzgerald has, still productive at age 36. I was going to say Reggie Wayne, but his 35 and 36-year-old seasons, he goes from 34 when he has 1,355 yards and five touchdowns to 2013, 2014. He plays 22 games in those two seasons and gets 1,200 yards. So Reggie Wayne falls off a cliff pretty quick after he gets hurt in his age 35 season. That, that's a risk, right? Larry Fitzgerald, even he, less productive now, 734 yards on 69 catches, 75 catches for 804 yards in the last two years, 10 touchdowns in those years combined. If you're paying that guy $18 million a year and you're getting 700 yards and six touchdowns, that's going to hurt you as a franchise. And that's why you don't want to be paying him 18, 19 million at age 35. You want to cut it off at that 34. I, I think there is a big difference there. And that doesn't mean you let AJ Green walk, but you pay him 10 or 11 million, like Larry Fitzgerald's making at 35 years old versus uh, 18, 19 million. So it's, it is going to be, it, it's tough because the Bengals can't watch him work out. He can't come to camp or anything like that. It's going to be tough to get a deal done. And it'll be interesting to see if they can. I really just hope that everything goes well. This is the same way I feel about the Joe Mixon thing. I am of two minds in it, and I generally land on the player side. Uh, at the same time, I still find myself a fan of the team. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of indi- individual players. I'm going to root for AJ Green to get his no matter where he is because the players deserve that, right? But as a, as a Bengal supporter, as somebody who covers this team, I want the team to make good decisions too. And I, I can't reconcile those no matter how hard I try, right? I can't make these two views fit together in a way that everybody wins. So unfortunately, in my opinion, somebody at some point will need to take a L. So hopefully the people working in the Bengals front office are smarter than me. And that's why they're working in a front office. And I am making a Bengals podcast from the West Coast of Canada with somebody who, luckily, at this point, James, you're in Cincinnati, or Cleveland, technically, but will be in Cincinnati. And you are doing a show all by yourself tomorrow. How stoked are you? I'm ecstatic. Not not that uh, I don't love doing the podcast with you, Jake, but you get an off day, a chance to catch your breath. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about Joe Burrow tomorrow. I've written about him a lot over the past couple of weeks. So I think Joe Burrow will be one of the, the many topics on tomorrow's show. In case you didn't know, dear listeners, Joe Burrow is the quarterback from Louisiana State University that the Bengals selected with their first overall pick in the 2020 draft. And I'm assuming that you didn't know that. So I wanted to make sure that I conveyed that crucial information to all of our listeners. Do you know what Monday was, Jake? Nope. The two-year anniversary 
of Joe Burrow transferring to LSU. Man, James knows a lot more about Ohio State Joe Burrow transferring to LSU Joe Burrow than I do. Find out more about Joe Burrow when James hosts a show by himself tomorrow. I'll be back later this week. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.